Welcome to the Healthy Pickleballer Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Todd Dorfman. Dr. Dorfman is a concierge physician and owner of Sedalian Health in Boulder, Colorado. Dr. Dorfman has over 20 years of experience working in emergency medicine and trauma. His practice specializes in disease prevention and hormone optimization. And today, he's going to be talking with us about things that you can do to take care of your body, as well as discussing the importance of a medical screen prior to um, engaging in activity. And I've been fortunate to work with Dr. Dorfman and his clients, and I know that his services and knowledge has significantly impacted the lives of the patients that he's worked with. So listeners, you're in for a very special treat today. Dr. Dorfman, thank you for taking the time to come on. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, well, thanks for having me, Brian. And I, I guess I, I also want to say for your um, uh, listeners that uh, my patients love working with you. You're a fabulous PT and uh, they couldn't say enough about you. So um, I think uh, you should uh, give yourself credit uh, because you're, you're really good at what you do. So I wanted to you know mention that. Um, and as, as Brian mentioned, uh, I think I have sort of a unique perspective because my, my practice, my concierge practice was founded on uh, sort of the premise that I, I would see a lot of diseases in the emergency department that I thought uh, could be prevented ahead of time. Um, and whether those are, you know, cardiovascular diseases like uh, heart attacks and strokes, or whether those are just uh, different types of injuries, um, I think it uh, really sort of applies to the, the, the latest uh, uh, craze of pickleballers and people uh, going out there who, who maybe haven't um, had uh, up-to-date medical screenings or haven't been exercising um, uh, very vigorously before starting um, to, to engage in pickleball. Yeah, well, well, Dr. Norman, as as a physical therapist, I think one of the first things that I, I always advocate for is the importance of a movement screen before engaging in any type of physical or athletic activity. You know, when that screen is going to kind of look like taking a look at your strength, strength, your range of motion, mobility, movement patterns, and biomechanics. But I think, as you mentioned, one important step prior to that would actually be getting a medical screen to make sure that you're safe to engage in that activity. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about the importance of that and what that might entail? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, it, I think a medical screen for a specific sports activity ha, um, really has many facets to it. So um, the first thing, obviously, is are you uh, uh, physically able to, you know, engage in the sport? Uh, pickleball obviously has certain um, key elements. Uh, for example, balance is very important. You're changing directions uh, frequently. So I would um, uh absolutely make sure that people are, uh, uh, have good, uh, balance and can do things like, uh, walk on their heels and walk on their toes. And I would do sort of a, a, a brief neurologic exam around that because if, you know, if you fall, um, uh, breaking a wrist, uh, as you try to break your fall or breaking a hip, uh, pickleball courts are fairly unforgiving if you fall on them. And, and uh, so balance I think is, is really important. Um, also, um, uh, things like what medications you're on. So pickleball, at least, you know, in Colorado, it's been, you know, 90 degrees out, you know, 95 degrees, it's, it's very dry. So um, certain blood pressure medicines, for, for example, um, uh, 
they often are a combination of different blood pressure medicines that are diuretics and that can make people sort of dehydrated, pre-dehydrated going into, um, you know, uh, a pickleball uh, or any sporting activity. So um, your doctor may want to even adjust those or may warn you to stay really hydrated and kind of pre-hydrate uh, certainly before you engage in, in that level um, of activity. Um, the other thing that's kind of a real, you know, huge thing is cardiovascular risk. So um, it's, it's always, um, interesting. Um, you know, you hear about, you know, most, most recently there was, uh, uh, LeBron James's son, Brownie James, who collapsed on a basketball court. He's a young, healthy, you know, college age, uh, kid. And it turns out he had some sort of congenital or, or birth defect essentially of his heart, which put him at risk. Um, as people uh, age, they get plaque, you know, um, we call it atherosclerosis, but it's plaque in the arteries, a buildup of plaque. Um, and it would be very reasonable to uh, maybe check an EKG, uh, which is fast and easy and non-invasive and not expensive to make sure that you don't have any rhythm disturbances because rhythm abnormalities can lead to collapsing or heart attacks um, while you're playing the game. Um, additionally, if you have like a huge family history of heart disease and you uh, haven't engaged in physical activity in a while to any sort of vigorous level, um, doing some more advanced cardiac screening would probably be a really smart smart um, thing to do also. Um, and, you know, if you want, Brian, we can get into some of the details of what, you know, advanced cardiovascular screening looks like at, at some point. But I think the overview now is, you know, make sure that your uh, balance is okay. Make sure that your, your tendons and ligaments are okay. And that's probably more up your alley, but, you know, you don't want to rupture an Achilles tendon. You don't want to uh, get a, I guess now it's called pickleballer's elbow as opposed to tennis elbow. <laughs> yeah. You can't call it, you can't call it tennis elbow when you're working with a pickleball player. <laughs> okay. So, so the, 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 the real name is lateral epicondylitis. So it's basically an elbow tendonitis and, um, there's some things you can do to prevent that. Obviously, some of it's based on equipment, uh, you know, using a, a racket, for example, it's a little more uh, absorbent um, and not as heavy, um, certain ways that you hold your wrist when you hit the pickleball, etc. But if you're not sure of the sort of biomechanics around a good pickleball stroke, I think you talk to someone like Brian or um, uh, uh, get some information, maybe even off, off the web to limit the risk of uh, uh, pickleballer's elbow. Because honestly, I've seen people with uh, tennis elbow and golfer's elbow and a bunch of other elbows, and they can be really chronic and really hard to uh, get rid of. So that would kind of ruin the, ruin the game for potentially a long time for you. Um, and, and, and go ahead. I was going to say, you, you really mentioned a lot of great things there and wanted to highlight a couple of different things that you said when yeah. you're going back to kind of the importance of a medical screen, you know, when you're kind of talking about uh, needing like, or doing the neurological evaluation, uh, somebody has a balance issue, they might fall in the court. You know, when you look at the data and they, you know, break their wrist or, or, you know, sustain any type of injury like that, that might be reported as like an orthopedic injury, but really the underlying issue was more of that balance and neurological kind of component to it. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're totally right. And, you know, and it can, it can be, um, because 
the person has some, some, just some balance issues and requires a little bit of balance and, you know, agility training. Um, you know, there's a lot, as you know, there's some great exercises that people can do to kind of make sure that their balance is good. Um, but it, it also can be like medicine related. Like I, like I said, I mean, some people can get, you know, the whirlies get a little lightheaded and dizzy because, of again, their, their blood pressure medicine, for example, or one of their other, uh, medicines that, that are known, you know, to cause those sorts of things, even, um, men with enlarged prostates, a very common thing, you know, as men get older and there's certain, um, uh, drugs we use to, uh, assist with enlarged prostates that can, uh, lead to lower blood pressure and lightheadedness and dizziness and those sorts of things. Um, and then there's even like some antibiotics and I know most docs these days are aware, but there's a, a class of antibiotics called the fluoroquinolones. That's like ciprofloxacin and levo, levoquin or levofloxacin. Those at one point were very common antibiotics for women with urinary tract infections and all sorts of things, but they have uh, been shown to significantly increase the risk of uh, tendon rupture. Mm -hmm. So both the, the patellar tendon, the tendon around the knee and the Achilles tendon, um, you know, those are things you want to try and avoid. So I think a general medical screening around what meds you're on, how you're doing neurologically and what basic cardiovascular risk you might have. I think that's a really good place to uh, start if you, uh, before you just jump on the court. Yeah. And unlike any other sport, maybe right now you're getting um, people that maybe have been sedentary that look at pickleball, maybe as a less strenuous type of activity, whereas they might look at another sport that's, you know, maybe like cycling or something that, that you can look at this on the surface and say, that's a lot more uh, strenuous activity. So you're getting more people that maybe hadn't been doing stuff and, and jumping back in. So, um, yeah, important to get that medical screen. And then another thing that you mentioned is kind of that, that regardless of age is also important, you know, even, even younger athletes can have some of these underlying conditions that we were not aware of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, you hear it, there's a couple famous people every year that claps on a football field or a basketball court or something like, like that. And yeah, it's really rare, but it's also very frequently preventable if, if those people would have had appropriate screens, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a, one of these in, in, um, I guess you'd say in global health, right? And if you're looking at prevention on a global scale, it's really expensive to screen every single kid, um, you know, to make sure they don't have something. But um, if you're an adult and you're about to engage in a sort of vigorous, you know, stop and go type sport like this, um, where you can, you know, really, it really stresses your cardiovascular system, which is great for your health, um, really stresses like uh, knee ligaments and elbow ligaments um, and uh, stresses the heart, obviously, as part of the cardiovascular system. I mean, getting a screen from your doctor is really easy and really a smart thing to do. Yeah. Now, I know that, that from previous discussions that we've had, you've kind of mentioned that there are some different type of assessment tools for cardiovascular systems that maybe people aren't as accustomed to uh, services that you provide at your practice. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of those different types of uh, assessment tools? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, this is a cardiovascular prevention. Um, 
is sort of a real in interest of mine, I guess. And, you know, the way that I've sort of derived this is as, as we mentioned, you know, I spent a lot of time in the emergency department and um, a, a, a significant portion of patients come in for cardiovascular reasons, right? They are having um, strokes or uh, heart attacks or rhythm disturbances or congestive heart failure and all sorts of sort of uh, medical problems that are really related to um, the cardiovascular system and plaque in the arteries. Um, and there's some testing out there that's it's quite advanced, but it's actually uh, really easy to get and it's fairly inexpensive. So um, besides a, a basic EKG, which most people know, they put a few stickers on, you, you know, sticky things on your chest and legs and arms. And, you know, that's a really simple, fast way to rule out any significant rhythm disturbance, um, rhythm abnormality that might lead to problems down the line. So that would be sort of step one. And then looking at the cardiovascular system specifically, um, I, I, I'm part of the um, American Society of Preventative uh, Cardiologists, and um, there's some testing that it has come, um, uh, come sort of to the forefront over the last, oh, a couple of years. Um, and it's actually called a, a clearly test with two E's, C-L-E-E-R-L-Y. And this is actually just an absolutely fabulous test. And everyone in my practice gets this test because the idea is that we can look at your coronary arteries. So coronary arteries are the blood supply to your heart. Your heart's just a muscle, just like your quadriceps or your biceps, and it needs blood supply. And the more you work your heart, like playing pickleball, the more blood supply it demands. And if you can't meet that demand, that's when people get into trouble. Or if you have a bunch of plaque in the arteries and because of the demand, the plaque ruptures, then you actually have a heart attack. So how do we avoid that? And, and, and so that's kind of the goal. Like, how do we screen people to make sure that we're addressing that aggressively and appropriately. And that's where this kind of clearly test comes in. And it's a test that I do and it's non-invasive. You get a little IV and you have a scan of the coronary arteries. Um, and I do this for people all, all over the country actually. And I do so many of them now that, that other docs are sort of sending me patients to um, screen because it takes, there's a little learning curve for the physician to learn how to interpret it. And you get this CAT scan and then, um, and I know people are somewhat um, put off these days by AI, artificial intelligence, but this is a very appropriate use of artificial intelligence. And the artificial intelligence software um, reads the scan and gives me just an exquisite diagram of your coronary arteries. Um, how much plaque is there? What type of plaque? Is it the types of soft plaque or hard plaque? Uh, where is the plaque geographically? How might that affect the person? How much blockage is the plaque uh, um, causing, if any. And based on that, we can not only guide people about appropriate physical activity moving forward, but we can treat people to prevent disease moving forward. And I tend to do those sorts of screenings and even my young patients, you know, 30 year olds, I mean, plaque buildup has been shown, um, you know, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, I guess, bad, you know, uh, a war in general is, is not a great thing in my book, obviously, but um, there are some scientific outcomes from war. We've, we've gained some terrific information about how to treat people in traumas. And we've also gained information about cardiovascular disease, because if you do autopsies on young soldiers, 
they're already developing cardiovascular disease in their 20s. So we know that we, if we screen early and we treat appropriately, we can prevent those people from having heart attacks or difficulties. So um, that's really a lot of the, the cardiovascular screening um, that, that I do. And there's a, there are a number of other modalities too with you know ultrasounds of the heart and other things that are more specific. But uh, general screening of the coronary arteries, I mean, 75% to 80% of people in the world uh, die because of cardiovascular disease. So that's really where we should be focusing our time. Okay. That, that sounds like it's a really helpful uh, tool. Now, yeah. would, would something like the, the EKG, you know, would that be something that if you were like a young adult, uh, would that be something that maybe not pick up some of the stuff that this would pick up in some of the younger population? Well, so we're, it's almost like we're talking about sort of two different things. Mm-hmm. With the EKG, we're really talking about electrical problems. So think of an electrician. This is more, it's more about how your heart rhythm is. Do you have a normal rhythm? Do you have any abnormal beats? Do you have any abnormal, um, uh, spacing between your beats? Are you in any non-normal rhythm? Those sorts of things. So that's more electrical. Mm-hmm. The, the clearly test and the, the, the reason people have heart attacks has to do more with a plumbing problem, if you will, mm-hmm. right? That's more about, you know, what's going on in the plumbing that supplies blood to the heart. Um, so I think the two tests really work together. They, they don't substitute for each other. Oh, I see. I see. All right. Well, let's, let's, um, so we kind of talked a little bit about the injury prevention and and the medical screening side. Let's say that maybe somebody has um, been cleared to engage in activity. Can you talk us maybe on the performance side, what role the cardiovascular system kind of plays in, in sports? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think the, you know, the first thing um, that I would sort of say about the cardiovascular system is that there's the cardiovascular system is like um, uh, uh, warming up your, your car. If you grew up in the Northeast, like I did, right. And you get out and it's minus whatever below and you're scraping your windshield and you're doing whatever. It's generally not that great for the engine, at least the way I understand it to uh, just jump in the car, hit the gas and take off. It's good to warm up the car and it's good to get the fluids moving around the engine. And it's good to kind of um, uh, get the car used to the activity that you're about to engage in. Well, it's really the same, I think, with the warming up the cardiovascular system. And this also pertains to warming up the, the musculoskeletal system also. So when you do a little bit of warm up, as opposed to just, you know, getting out of your car and all of a sudden going a thousand miles an hour, you know, playing pickleball, if you were to do a little bit of cardiovascular warm up, and you see this in professional athletes all the time, like um, the Tour de France is a, is a really good example, you know, those guys before they go out on their, you know, huge rides, um, basically what happens is, um, they, uh, are on like stationary, uh, tra- trainers, you know, bike trainers and rollers and things, and they're getting their heart rate up and they're getting their muscles warm. It helps to dilate the blood vessels that are going to supply the muscles and the heart. It helps to get your cardiovascular system used to the effort that's, that's, a, that you're about to undergo. So I think warm up is really important. 
I think warm-ups also important from a cardiovascular standpoint or sorry, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, because, you know, think about preventing like Achilles tendon ruptures or calf strains or other things that can occur with pickleball injuries. It's good to kind of warm those muscles up, stretch them a little bit, sort of get prepared for that activity. So from my um, overall kind of view of any sport, really, I think, you know, uh, a little bit of warm up goes a long way in both preventing cardiovascular problems and preventing musculoskeletal problems. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned the importance of, of warming up the cardiovascular system. That's actually a, a message I've been sharing a lot on my social media is that when you're warming up, yes, you want to warm up your muscles, your joints, but the cardiovascular system is kind of the driver of that. And, and as you mentioned, you kind of get some vasodilation, which will help kind of reduce some of the resistance that the heart has to, to work against. And um, yeah, you're going to improve kind of get the delivery of oxygen and all the nutrients that your, your muscles need to be able to operate. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think people don't realize that. I think a lot, a lot of times when I talk to patients and I say, well, warm up is important. They're like, well, you know, I kind of warm up while I'm doing the activity, but that's usually not the case, especially when you're engaged in sort of, you know, it's everyone's sort of innate drive to be kind of competitive, you know, and you're starting to play and you want to play well and you're playing with friends and all that. It, my guess is you're not doing a lot of like easy pickleball playing the first 15 minutes. You're probably jumping right into it. Um, and then, you know, the other big thing you mentioned, you know, how to sort of optimize in a way. And I think, you know, we, we might want to talk about, you know, ways to optimize your cardiovascular system and your, you know, musculoskeletal system all at once. And that really has to do with training. Um, and I'm a huge proponent of uh, sort of the combination of resistance training, you know, doing some weights and um, uh, uh, building some, some lean muscle mass. It's very important for your cardiovascular system. It's been shown over and over. It's also important for weight loss. If anyone's trying to lose, you know, some percent body fat, um, doing resistance training, you know, obviously in combination with aerobic kind of training, but the resistance training is very important and it's often overlooked. And the way people can optimize that is sort of another area that I tend to spend a bunch of time in is um, to make sure that their, their hormone milieu, which basically is, you know, all the hormones floating around your body are appropriate. So like um, in, in, in uh, postmenopausal women, for example, a lot of women don't realize that they secrete uh, testosterone uh, pre-menopause, just like men do. It's at a different level, but testosterone really helps to build muscle. It helps to get more sort of bang for the buck out of your um, uh, resistance training and workouts. Um, it helps you to decrease injury when you, you know, and it helps you recover from injury if you do get an injury. So that's, you know, the, the women's side. And I think women don't often realize that a little bit, it, this can be done. I do it very frequently with like a little bit of uh, testosterone cream that women put on at night. You know, I, I measure levels very specifically in their blood and then I um, replace it to a, an appropriate amount. And we, you know, we make sure we don't give them too much or too little, but it really helps people perform in sports and it helps them, uh, uh, not get injured basically because, um, of what the testosterone does, uh, to the mus musculature, the same in men, men don't have quote menopause, which is sort of an abrupt thing over a couple of years, but men start to dwindle in like testosterone levels, probably in their thirties. 
Um, and it tends to kind of just drop down slowly. So it's not as noticeable for men, but if you measure the blood levels and then you replace it appropriately, testosterone appropriately in men, boy, they really feel a difference in lots of aspects of their life. And specifically what we're talking about, their performance during pickleball, the risk of injury, their ability to go to the you know gym and do some resistance training. And it's this sort of vicious cycle because they feel better in the gym, they feel stronger, it's more motivating. So they actually want to go. It's not like a big chore. They want to play more sports. So the more you're active and the more you do those things kind of feeds upon each other. So I think hormone optimization is a really important thing. And it's not just testosterone. I'm using that as an example in women, you know, estrogen and progesterone, different things, you know, depending, you have to obviously talk to your doctor and figure out exactly what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and the risks and the benefits. But those are all things that can really help um, decrease the risk of injury and improve enjoyment in the sport. Yeah. And I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned is that, that you're like men in their thirties is the, the, when you're talking about hormones, we're not just talking about people that are, that are kind of in the, getting into their older years. There's people that benefit from, from this type of service at an earlier, younger age. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the way, the way that I sort of approach it is, um, I do, um, a laboratory panel looking at different hormones. I look at how your brain, where your brain is sort of the control center for lots of your hormones. Your brain tells your thyroid to produce thyroid hormone, and it tells your adrenals to produce cortisol. And it tells your testes or ovaries to produce, you know, sex hormones and it, all that kind of stuff. So I look at um, the hormones secreted from the brain to make sure the brain, the, ma the master controller is talking to all the other organs. And then I look at the production of all those other organs and, you know, what are they producing and what quantities and in what ratios are also very important. And basically um, what happens is um, once I get that data, then, it, then I have to correlate it, right? I don't want to treat the, the data. I want to treat the patient. So I, I talk to them about potential symptoms they might be having or not having. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, oh, that symptom of, you know, fatigue or the symptom of I've been doing eight pull-ups for the last six months and I can't get to nine or 10 or the symptom of, you know, libido issues or the symptoms of uh, performance during pickleball or endurance or recovery after a pickleball game, boy, I'm laying on the couch for three more days before I can play pickleball again, you know, all of those things kind of play into it. And then we come up with a plan about how to safely maybe replace some of those hormones and correlate it with how the patient's doing. But yeah, men just don't realize because it's such a slow dwindle that they don't really realize that they're probably becoming somewhat deficient somewhere in their thirties. Yeah, I think without maybe having that information and knowledge, I think sometimes there's even a tendency to try and continue to push through that because you're like, I'm, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, but you know that my initial thought is to maybe try and well, I need to do more, and then you continue to to kind of burn yourself out and fatigue yourself out. But you know, as you mentioned, having um, you know optimal hormone levels can be a huge factor, and it's going to help you to to maximize everything that you're doing. Yeah, I know you're to you're totally right. And um, I think hormones 
you know, in general, when you say like testosterone, I think people think of, you know, a bunch of people buying illegal hormones in some gym somewhere in some basement, you know, <laughs> especially and, as it relates to sports, right. As it relates to sports and, you know, cheating in sports and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think the really important distinction is that the people that are doing that, that are cheating in sports and that are using it for other reasons, they probably have pretty normal hormones and they're trying to become sort of superhuman. What we're really talking about is actually taking a hormone deficiency and making it more to a normal hormone level. So we're talking about optimizing hormones as opposed to, you know, turning you into, you know, some super person and putting you at all sorts of risks because we're overdosing you on hormones. That's not what this is about. This is about um, the fact that there's significant scientific literature and evidence that shows that if we optimize hormones, people are happier. People have less percent body fat, less risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. They're healthier. Um, people have stronger muscles. People um, recover better. People uh, uh, perform better in other aspects of their life, in the office or whatever. So it's um, there, there's quite a large pool of literature that says if we optimize those things um, safely with blood tests and scientifically, um, it can not just help your pickleball game and prevent injuries, but it can it helps you, you know, not just be just be a healthier aging person. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And who would, who wouldn't want those benefits? And, you know, as much as we love pickleball, you know, sometimes we do forget that there is life outside of a pickleball that we want to enjoy too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would, it makes everything better for my patients that are, you know, uh, optimized, uh, you know, pickleball or any sport, uh, but life in general is, is just a bit better and they're definitely healthier. There's no question. Yeah. Well, Dr. Dorfman, you shared a lot of really helpful tips and insights. Any other like last, like one to two pieces of advice for our listeners that they can do to, to really kind of stay healthy on the court? You've mentioned a bunch of great things from resistance training and cardio, um, as well as getting a medical screen. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, this is all about en enjoyment. So if I could put on my uh, psychology hat for a minute, <laughs> I, I, I want people, you know, to realize that, um, I, 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 well, let me put it this way in Boulder, which, you know, as you know, from, from being here, there are a number of, uh, uh, people who are just incredibly athletic, you know, and they're taking bike rides into the mountains on 80, hundred mile rides, you know, they're doing all these, you know, uh, extreme athletic performances. Um, but I think a lot of people miss the enjoyment factor. So, I, so my psychological hat is, you know, this is, you know, pickleball, you, most likely you are not going to be a professional pickleball player and earn your living playing pickleball. So if you have like a little nagging injury or something, you know, just working through that because, you got to get out there the next day and you got to show your buddies what a great pickleballer you are. It's probably not the smartest thing. You should probably get those things assessed and you should probably stop and say, okay, I don't want to turn this into a chronic injury. Um, and then I think that uh, 
the other big piece that we, we didn't really touch on is sort of the concept of cross training. So I mentioned, you know, that um, we want to do some other, maybe some weightlifting resistance training, maybe some other aerobic activities outside of pickleball to keep our tendons and muscles and everything uh, strong and our cardiovascular system strong. Um, and those, that same cross training is really important for your brain. So when we talk about cognitive decline later in life, um, you know, doing those sorts of different exercises, doing things like hand-eye coordination with pickleball, you know, learning how to play an instrument, learning a language, those things, those are also really important, just kind of big picture health benefits um, that, that if you really engage in the sport of pickleball and you do a few things to make it safer and more fun for you, you're also going to be gaining uh, some benefit in terms of cognitive decline and other things. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great sport and I think it's a lot of fun and, um, you know, I'm, uh, happy to answer any, any other questions you have, Brian. Yeah, that was great. And, uh, kind of going off of the cross training, it's so important when, when people are, you know, they get really into one activity and that's the only activity that they do. There's a tendency to develop some of those muscular imbalances. So using some cross training to, to kind of tap into, you know, some of the muscle groups and areas in the body that aren't getting, um, worked as much. Um, I think it's going to go a long way in that injury prevention side of things. So really, really, um, helpful insight there. Yeah. Thanks. Well, Dr. Dorfman, if, um, if people wanted to seek out more information about you or any resources that you have available, where can people find you? Yeah, well, um, so yeah, I do. I have patients actually all, all over the world and I am happy if patient, if people don't want to just, you know, be my patient, I'm happy to consult and help them with any, you know, questions or difficult problems or the cardiovascular screening aspects. Um, and uh, my website is dorfmanmd.com, um, D-O-R-F like Frank, M-A-N-M-D like medicaldoctor.com. And you can go there. My office uh, phone number is 720-381-3318. And uh, just mention that you uh, found me on Brian's uh, podcast and we'll, you know, be happy to call you back. I'll talk to you personally and um, we'll see if there's anything I can do to help. Your, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook now. <laughs> uh, well, that's okay. I'm happy to help. Look, I love what I do. Obviously, I'm really into the cardiovascular stuff and the hormone optimization stuff and really any other medical problem. I think people tend to, the way medicine goes these days, you know, is basically you get a 15 minute visit with your practitioner and that may not be enough to really feel comfortable that you're properly screened for a sport like this. And um, I'm happy to help in any way I can. Yeah. And, and I think that the message that you share, the things that you talked about today, you know, I think it's very, um, evident that that you offer a very unique service that um that your clients really benefit from so yeah, yeah. really encourage uh anybody that's able to 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 work with dr dwarfman and um and reach out to him if you if you can thank you yeah well dr dwarfman thank you so much for for coming on i look forward to um yeah continuing to to touch base and um and um yeah thank you yeah, you're very welcome. If anyone in your audience has any specific questions, just send me an email and I'll get you some answers. And I'm um, always happy to, to come on and enjoy doing it. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode. Be sure to join us next time. Until then, stay healthy, pickleballers.